0: Love Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Stuart Crawford, and welcome to another edition of Bulletproof Business Radio here on Block Talk Radio. Uh, here We meet every Friday at 12 noon, Mountain Time, sharing business stories and introducing uh, leaders in the Calgary and Red Deer business community. Where This week is no different than all the other weeks. We're joined by a, a great uh, friend of ours, and we'll get to Gina here in a few minutes. Bulletproof Business Radio is sponsored by Bulletproof Infotech, and we uh, provide managed IT solutions to small and mid-sized businesses in Red Deer, Calgary, and throughout Alberta. If you're uh, in need of computer services, Bulletproof is the company that can help you. Anyway, let's get right into the uh, program. Uh, We're joined by Gina Rotstein from Dexterity Consulting. Now, I met Gina uh, a few weeks ago after reading an article in the Calgary Herald about her business and what she's doing to help... uh, uh, many different types of businesses throughout uh, Calgary and uh, across Canada, uh, with uh, some of the cool stuff that she's got on the go here. So, Gina, welcome and thank you for joining us today.
1: Thanks, Stuart. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: And so, I, you know, up to about a month ago, I'd, I've heard of Dexterity Consulting, you know, around uh, around Calgary. But, you know, for those people who have never heard of you before, tell us what you're all about.
1: Dexterity Consulting is a philanthropic advising firm, and we work with families, individuals, and small and medium-sized businesses to help them identify their social visions and achieve those visions by connecting them with reputable and uh, accountable charities.
0: So if I was a a business owner and I wanted to uh, support a cause, you'd be the person that I would turn to to help uh, help me understand it and help me with all the logistics around that?
1: Exactly. Um, it, as a business owner, we would be talking about corporate citizenship and taking your business to the next level as a member um, within a community or a social network.
0: Okay. So I mean, we understand social networks online like Facebook, LinkedIn. Is this the same type of thing?
1: It's the same type of thing on a more um, – personal level, in that um, we're connecting you and your business through the social community of the the charitable sector. So really, what makes society run? Well, there's three components to society. There's businesses, there's individuals, and then there's the nonprofit charitable sector. And when I say individuals, I mean government. Um, So without those three components, society would collapse, and they're all integrated with each other. So as a business owner, you play an intrinsic role in making sure that the social fabric is strong and continues forward. So that's what it means about um, social networking in this context.
0: Okay. So I, I get that now. So it's in the three core areas that you talked about. So, of course, the businesses and the individual support, uh, help support the nonprofits, and the nonprofits deliver services back to the community. Basically, that's what they're doing, Exactly. Right?
1: That's exactly it.
0: Okay, so I mean, we, as in Bulletproof, we work with a number of nonprofits. We understand what you know, what their what their their core vision. Actually, you know, what I like to say with nonprofits or charities, of different different shapes and sizes. People are united around a cause. If you are supporting cancer or Alzheimer's or autism or whatever it is, people are gathered around to support a cause. Is that what you're finding in your when you're targeting small businesses that? You need to you want to help uh, with their charitable or nonprofit uh, sponsorship?
1: It happens in several different ways. Um, one way could be that a business has identified a cause and then they just want to know what's the best way to work with that organization um, or it could be that an employee has approached the CEO or the marketing director for um, support in one of their volunteer activities uh, so that's how a company might get engaged with an organization. Or as as you pointed out in your case, you actually do business with charitable organizations. And I I think that's actually a a very strong and a very good point that you bring up, is that the charitable sector is actually a business sector. Um, In 2006, Stats Canada said that the industry was the second largest contributor to Canada's GDP. So you'd have to combine agriculture, manufacturing, and retail to get – oh, and automotive – to get the size of Canada's charitable sector. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's pretty big, which means that as a business owner, when you're about to do business with a nonprofit, it's an actual business relationship. And I work with companies to help them see that business relationship.
0: So what is that business relationship, uh, you know, all about? Is it uh, It's maybe a little more clarification will help me understand, you know, how that relationship works?
1: Sure. So just as you would go into a for-profit partnership or business delivery vendor relationship, there's a set of accountabilities. You commit to delivering certain IT services, and as a business owner, I commit to paying you. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the charitable sector, you might have something along those same lines, or you might take it to the next level by saying, um, we recognize that you can't pay our rate, so we'll give you a discounted rate, and this is what we'll provide. There, there's some sort of accountability that happens. But what I try and get businesses to realize is that it's not just a discounted service or um, free, free stuff, because charities are businesses in and of themselves. There might be other opportunities that haven't been realized. So let's say, for example, one of your business objectives is to get in with some healthcare industry. So you've aligned yourself by providing services to one of the breast cancer charities. Well, they have other vendors. And so one of the ways that you can leverage your relationship. With that charity is to work with them on connecting, getting you connected through them to one of their vendors that you've been trying to do business with all along. So, okay. it's using that charity is this conduit and building that building a business network. Excuse me, through that charity.
0: So, one of the things I, I've been hearing lots of lately is the whole thing around social capital. We've talked about it even online about you know as we. Uh, Deliver, uh, you know, value online through social networking uh, and social capital about doing good things in the community. Really, what we're looking at here is a, a business owner is really starting to uh, build up some value in their like social capital bank account.
1: Yes, yeah. So um, the way that Dexterity Consulting approaches social capital is three ways, and you had touched on it when you first made your point, your point about how people give to causes. So mm-hmm. there are three ways that social capital is exchanged within our society, our current social economic system. Um, it's people to people. So, uh, you as an individual have identified a friend that you want to engage with on a social level, you go out for a beer or whatever. Um, there's business to community or to charity. And then there's also the charity back within the community. So on all three of those levels, there's some sort of social capital that's being exchanged, whether it's the person to the person or the person to the charity or the charity back into the community, which is ultimately affecting other people or other businesses. And that's what we talk about when we're talking about generating social capital. But in addition to those human relationships that are being created, there's also financial relationships. So there's a financial transaction that happens when an individual or a business makes a financial investment into an organization. And I use the word investment very purposefully because if you were to say a gift or a donation, there's no accountability that's put back onto the onus of the charity. So um, a donation is just a one-way transaction. I'm giving money to charity X and then I'm walking away. But if I'm making an investment, there's an expectation that I'm going to see a return. And that return doesn't have to be a financial return. It can be some sort of social benefit that I experience, or maybe my child will experience, or maybe somebody else in my community will benefit from it.
0: Okay, so, so you know, help me understand, who are some of the people that would benefit from it? Are we talking about, um, you know, when you see the, uh, the commercials on TV from, from some of the the, some of the non-profits out there, are these the type of people that are benefiting from it, or is it for the greater good of the community in, as one big uh, collection, a collection of people?
1: It depends on the organization that you've donated to. So some organizations, like United Way, are umbrella organizations where your donation gets filtered down to multiple agencies, and you may never actually feel that benefit. Another organization might be that you've donated directly to uh, the breast cancer research group or even more personally um, to a, a hospice where one of your loved ones is being taken care of. So depending on which organization you donate to and how you facilitate that transaction will determine what kind of investment or return you're going to feel as it trickles down. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So, what are you know, okay. as a business owner, what are some of the advantages for my company to uh, to work with you to help uh, with some of these investments in uh, some of the local nonprofits?
1: So, my company is um, a national business, and one of the best benefits that I've noticed is just the connecting of businesses to other businesses who want to work with each other through this network, which is not what I was originally anticipating when I, when I launched the company a few years ago. Um, so, but that, that's, a big, that's a big component. Um, the, the next thing that a company can get out of working with me is this opportunity to actually see measured change in achieving their social vision. So if their social vision is the eradication of poverty, let's look for the best organizations that are eradicating poverty. um, And and the way that we do this is by looking at what the company's risk tolerance is to that social vision. Because just like in any other business model, charities that are startups are just as high risk as businesses that are startups. And so we have to manage the risk tolerance along with whatever that social vision is. And the model that we use in evaluating these charities brings to light those nuances, those risks that might, be, um, that might be present or those opportunities that a business might not want to miss out on.
0: Okay, so I get that, and uh, it makes a lot of sense. So this is Stuart Crawford. We're in conversation with Gina Rodstein from Dexterity Consulting talking about uh, you know, social capital and helping uh, nonprofits out and how it benefits our business uh, here on uh, Bulletproof Business Radio today. Gina, you know, you talk a lot about businesses helping, uh, you know, nonprofits. One of the things that maybe question to ask you here now is, are businesses, you know, small and large, do they have a plan, like, like they would have a business plan or a marketing plan uh, like to, to go out and, uh, you know, what nonprofits are going to work with, almost like a social vision plan, I guess you can call it. Do they do, they do that kind of stuff today?
1: Some do, absolutely, and um, what I do is I help those who don't have them create them. What I call them are corporate citizenship programs. Other businesses might call them corporate social responsibility or community investment plans. Um, but, yeah, the, it's, and depending on the size of the company depen- determines where within the structure of the organization this, this plan is held or this strategy is, is held.
0: Okay, so it, some, some businesses are looking into some of the more serious ones uh, that are, uh, you know, have a plan of action around going to market or going into the nonprofit community and have a, you know, allocate a, a lump sum of uh, uh, dollars, resources, whatever they're looking at exchanging, and uh, they, your, you help facilitate that. So it makes, it makes me understand uh, exactly what you're doing. Um, you know, basically I'm trying to, you know, understand uh, a lot of the things, you know, we all, I think we talked about some of the advantages to a small company um, and putting, you know, investing into um, or sh- sharing resources or whatever they're giving to uh, nonprofits today. But, Gina, there's got to be some risks associated with it. We're hearing about all these scandals today. Uh, the latest one that comes to mind is uh, the one that happened in New York City with uh, Madoff. Uh, is there risk around, uh, you know, businesses working with nonprofits and investing in nonprofits?
1: I think there's risks in any um, transaction between businesses to businesses because again, charities are a business. Uh, it's how you manage that risk. So the Bernie Madoff uh, incident is, besides, t- terribly tragic. Um, there, we can learn a lot from that. And one of the key things that both donors and charities can learn from that experience, unfortunately is how, how are funds actually being managed and how are donations being invested. So as a donor, you have the right and you have the obligation to yourself to ask a charity, especially when you're looking at putting money into an endowment or some sort of fund, how are these funds being managed and how will my donation be used? Um, be, because there are risks when you're, when you're making an investment. So that's, that's the big one. If you're looking at startup charities, there's risks just like if you were to invest in a startup business, right? Maybe in three years that organization might not be there. But typically, um, if, you're, if you're making that investment, you also have a high enough risk tolerance to recognize that. A, a third type of risk that you would be aware of is whether or not you're being solicited for emergency funding or if this is an ongoing state within this organization that they're facing one financial crisis after another. Because if that's the case, that should raise some flags to you. But the key thing at the end of the day is that donors really should take the time to ask before they make a donation. What are you doing with my money? Where is it going? And then asking themselves, "If if I didn't give to this organization, what would it look like? What would society look like? And if this organization wasn't even around, what would society look like? Because that will help frame the way you make your donation to begin with or your investment to begin with
0: so I mean so I, what I'm understanding is it's just like if I was going to go invest in the stock market or mutual funds or certain risks around everything and, I, and I, as a, you know I can understand that and make and it makes a lot of sense I think there's a lot of misconceptions in the world today. Especially here in Canada, that uh, a lot of these nonprofits are are funded uh, from us as donors, but also from the government, and and government won't let them won't let them fail. Is that you know is that a common thing that you hear out there, Gina? Is that you know if I don't step in, the government will just come in and help them?
1: <laughs> the government won't just come in and help them. Dollars are finite, even in the government. Um, so I don't know if that's a common feeling or sentiments amongst donors um i do know that if you look at the way that americans donate versus the way that canadians donate that's definitely a pattern where um we we have a social art canada's got a socialist system or a mindset to it so um there kind of is this expectation that the government will take care of us but in reality that's not the case I, I, a charity like i like i've been saying is a business and so if they've got financial problems they've got financial problems just like if they've got leadership problems or governance problems they're going to have them and it's how they actually manage those problems that's at the core not whether or not the government is going to be around to bail them out
0: and I think what you may, you know I like what you said that they are a legitimate business um, with the end goal of their charity is one way If they're not profit you know they still have balance sheets they still have to report annual uh, reports and they have to show to their donors, which you know lack of better terms, investors, that they're actually here's what we've done with the with their money, and they're managed by a board of directors and uh, people that are accountable. So I would think uh, if you're doing your homework gene and you're engaging somebody like yourself, uh you can pre- pretty much feel safe that the the money that we're giving or investing into these uh, nonprofits is pretty secure. Just like I would never go and buy my own stocks. I wouldn't buy an expertise of somebody. And really, that's what you're providing. Is that correct?
1: That's exactly it. And I I'd, I'd also just want to be clear, Stuart, that I, I don't give financial advice and I don't give tax advice. Yes. And I don't give legal advice. So okay. all, when, a, when somebody retains my services, I'm working with those advisors to help them achieve those, those philanthropic goals.
0: So you're basically uh working with a, b- a bunch of other professionals to make sure that the the big picture is all covered
1: exactly that's exactly it
0: okay that you know that makes a lot of sense and the picture is getting very clear now exactly uh what you offer now let's just fast forward a little bit you know think let's think you know going forward from today on what do you see some of the trends that are happening out there around social investment We know what are what's uh What's on the radar for the future?
1: So I found this really surprising. Um, A couple of years ago, I read a report that came out of an organization in Toronto, and I wish I'd have it in front of me because then I could actually tell you the title. But I'm sure that if your listeners did a Google search on charitable trends, stuff would come up. But what was surprising to me in this report was that funding to arts and culture is significantly on the rise. And the reasons that this report gave for this was that baby boomers are retiring and they want something to do in their retirement, so they're investing in organizations that will keep them entertained. And um, the reason why I'm surprised about this is because I thought that as baby boomers aged, they'd want to invest in healthcare-type organizations as a preventative measure. But that's not the case. And, in fact, what we're finding is that the only time or typically the only time that people donate to health care-related organizations is when they themselves have been personally affected or somebody within their family unit has been affected. So that was one trend that surprised me. The other trend that we're anticipating over the next few years is um, an actual doubling of the charitable sector in Canada and across North America. So right now there's roughly 85,000 registered charities in Canada, give or take, and they're expecting that number to reach 160,000. And if you actually included the nonprofit organizations, which would be your professional associations and your kids' soccer team, um, your PTA group, if you count those in, we're looking at upwards of 300,000 entities over the next decade to be... In Canada, and so what we're seeing as a result of this is, um, with this growth, is where are the donors coming from? And the donors are coming from this wealth transfer that we're anticipating from this current aging generation down to the next generation. And I've read different numbers, so it varies from eight trillion to 240 trillion dollars. But really, at the end of the day, when you're talking in trillions. It doesn't really matter because the money can go all three places, right? It can go to taxes, it can go to the inheritors, or it can go back into community. And one of the things that we're seeing with this doubling of the charitable sector is the creation of these private foundations, which are registered charities. So that's what's also adding to this growth. Okay. And then the third.
0: Yeah, right. Third, yeah.
1: So, And then the third trend that we're actually in the middle of is a labor shortage. But we've been in a labor shortage for several years. And um, we're, we're just not seeing I, – I haven't seen, it, seen the sector come out of it yet, but it could be that as the economy slows down, programs and organizations will become tighter, and so the labor shortage issue might disappear. So and I think that
0: hits, uh, that hits all over uh, in business is definitely the shortage of skilled – and, and sort of and qualified uh, professionals to uh, you know run in our run in our business and I'm sure the that you said the nonprofits and the charities are not exempt from that um, you know just to help clarify some of the differences out there, you mentioned nonprofits and charities and then sh- there's not for profit non profit there's a lot of different classifications. Maybe you just give us a quick you know high level what's the difference between a nonprofit and not for profit and a charity
1: okay, so um a charity basically is a register is registered with the federal government and they can issue tax receipts. A non nonprofit is an organization that can't issue tax receipts but both of them have um, the mandate of enhancing society on some level and then the third thing that makes these organizations different from a for-profit is that um, the a for-profit you the the revenue that's generated can be put, put out to shareholders or to the board of directors, whereas the revenue that's generated within a non-profit or charity has to be reinvested back into the charity to advance the social good of the organization.
0: Okay, so like a good example. That's very,
1: very high level.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a good example of charity would be something like uh, the Cancer Society, Alzheimer's. Those would be registered charities yeah uh and then um uh, a non profit would be like your local church uh you know the uh you know maybe some member only clubs that are not you know that aren't generating profit is that kind of what i'm thinking here
1: yeah your membership club church- some churches have charitable status, so that's why i don't i wouldn't put churches in that category but um yeah it would be your membership organizations it would be your professional associations your kids' soccer team or hockey club, um, those would all be non profit agencies.
0: Okay. That makes uh, that help clarify, you know, some of the uh the murky waters around what's what and uh you know what's eligible for tax receipts especially. I like uh how you put that 'cause uh you know a lot of people would say you oh, go to not not profit non profits and, you know, do I get a tax receipt for that? And they're a little shocked when sometimes you say no, but um uh, yeah. you know that's just that's just life. Uh, Gina, we got a few minutes left, and uh, I know you got a couple workshops coming up here in in Calgary that uh, you wanted to share with us. So, you know, what do you got on the uh, on the plate here?
1: Sure. So, thank you for letting me plug these workshops. On October 25th in Calgary, um, we're doing a workshop on ethical wills, and it's being held from three to five p.m. in Gallery 213. And an ethical will is a document that's created typically in conjunction between a parent and a child, and it talks about the value system that's being passed down through whatever legacy is being created. So it's not a legal, it's not a legal document where you're actually talking about wealth transfer or object transfer. It's about those social values that you want to pass on to the next generation. And then on November 12th, um, at 11 a.m., we're having a webinar uh, on giving or getting and the holiday dilemma, putting giving back into holiday giving. And it's being run by Sandy Schuler, who is a registered social worker and um, an expert in family dynamics. And so this is a – it is a webinar, so it's across the Internet. Anybody can participate. And um, to register, you can just visit my website, which is www.dexterityconsulting.ca.
0: Great. So I encourage you to go and check those uh, two events that Gina's uh, got coming up here in the next little while. Uh, I'm definitely going to, uh, you know, look at my calendar and make sure we can squeeze those in as well. Gina, in our last few minutes here, is there anything else you'd like to add that we haven't uh, addressed uh, during our call here?
1: I just wanted to thank you for this opportunity. I think that um, investing in community is really that. It's an investment. And if this is helping anybody make smarter decisions around their charitable giving, then um, I'm thrilled that I was able to provide that. And
0: well, we're, we're honored to have, have you, you as, uh, as our guest today, Gina. And thank you very much for uh, taking time out of your day to come and share what you do uh, to enhance the, the business community, here not only here in Calgary and Red Deer and throughout Alberta, but across, uh, across Canada, it's great to have uh, people like you uh, doing what you do.
1: Thanks, Stuart.
0: So, Gina, again, our website is uh, dexterityconsulting.ca. Uh, go and check it out. Check out our events. She's got planned, uh, doing a lot of great stuff. Um, just uh, for our upcoming schedule here on Bulletproof Business Radio, uh, next week we have a great uh, panel discussion on the power of peers. Uh, Bulletproof has been uh, involved with peer groups uh, uh, here in Calgary and across, uh, you know, across the uh, IT community especially uh, through Heartland Tech Groups, and we've taken some of the lessons from Heartland Tech Groups and applied them here in uh, Calgary through our Calgary Entrepreneur Peer Groups. So we have a call, call next week with uh, some members of our group talking about the value they get from peers. Uh, on October the 16th, we have the... The author crew of the book, uh, The Janitor, joining us to talk about this wonderful book I just finished reading. So they will be joining us on October the 16th here on Bulletproof Business Radio and uh, and sharing uh, some of the stories from from that book. Lots of great stuff uh, happening and in the works and being planned uh, for our show here. And we encourage you to download us uh, via iTunes and uh, uh, catch up all our previous episodes. And, uh, you know, listen to it on your iTunes as you're working out in the gym. Uh, Feel free to call us. Uh, Our number, if you would like to be a guest on Bulletproof Business Radio, is 403-206-2233. And uh, we would welcome any uh, entrepreneurs that have a great story to tell here in Alberta through a Calgary Red Deer area. My name is Stuart Crawford, and I'm the Vice President of Business Development with Bulletproof Infotech. It would have been my pleasure to uh, have you, you, Gene, on the program today and have you listening to us here on Bulletproof Business Radio. Please check us again, www.blogtalkradio.com bulletproof for our upcoming shows. And we'll look forward to talking to you again real soon.